going to call this meeting to order. Madam Secretary, could you please call the roll? President Najami? Here. Vice President Maxwell? Commissioner Paulson is excused today. Commissioner Rivera? Here. Commissioner Stacy? Here. Member Quorum? Members of the public may make up a two minutes of remote public comment on an item by dialing 1 415 655 0001, meeting ID 2599 928 6349, pound followed by pound again. To raise your hand to speak, press star three. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Please know that you must limit your comments to the topic of the agenda item being discussed unless you are speaking under general public comment. And remind you, if you do not stay on the topic, the president can interrupt and ask you to limit your comment to the agenda item. We ask that public comment be made in a civil and respectful manner. And please address your remarks to the commission as a whole, not to individual commissioners or staff. On behalf of the commission, I would like to extend our thanks to SFGTV staff and SFPUIT staff for their assistance during this meeting. For those present, if you've not already done so, please silence your electronic devices. Excellent. Before calling the first item, I would like to announce that the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission acknowledges that it owns and are stewards of the unceded lands located within the ethno-historic territory of the Mwakma-Ohlone tribe and other familial descendants of the historic federally recognized Mission San Jose Verona Band of Alameda County. The San Francisco Public Utilities Commission also recognizes that every citizen residing within the greater Bay Area has and continues to benefit from the use and occupation of the Moakma Ohlone uh, Aboriginal lands since before and after the San Francisco Public Utility Commission's founding in 1932. It is vitally important that we not only recognize the history of the tribal lands on which we reside, but also we acknowledge and honor the fact that the Moakma Ohlone people have established a working partnership with the SFPUC and are productive and flourishing members within the many greater San Francisco barrier communities today. Madam Secretary, please call the first item. Item number three's report of the general manager. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Uh, item 3A is always something that we like to do, and that's recognition of uh, retirements. Commissioners, I'd like to start this meeting on a celebratory note to recognize the incredible service and dedication of our recent retirees with over 25 years of service to the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission. Today, we congratulate 21 individuals who have demonstrated the highest form of commitment and pride in public service, and I'd like to recognize the following uh, individuals. From the Information Technology Team, Brian Raleigh, 38 years of service. Uh, Fonda Davidez, 36 years of service. In the Customer Service Bureau, Maureen Randolph, 34 years of service. In the Water Enterprise, uh, Ted Sanders, 37 years of service. Paul Del Grasso, 30 years of service. John Tehan, 39 years of service. Daniel Watson, 37 years of service. John Bekelly, 33 years of service. Carol DeGrasa, 34 years of service. James Blue, 36 years of service. And Carlos Uriarte, 32 years of service. Emerald Calles Actor, 32 years of service. Stephen DeLeo, 33 years of service. Laura Targert, 
26 years of service. Brian Sack, 26 years of service. Here attending with us today, Alu Jasek, uh, 35 years of service. In the Water Enterprise, Jose Limon, 27 years of service. Wesley Ng, 26 years of service. And attending with us today, Meili Ahmad, 26 years of service. Kevin Roach, 28 years of service. And Vincent Wong, 27 years of service. Please join me in congratulating our recent retirees with a round of applause. I think what you recognize there, commissioners, is that's a lot of years of experience, right? And there's good, and there's good in that they were happy for so long, but there's also the other side. We have to replace these people, which is why we're so focused on hiring and retention, to make sure we build the next crop of experienced leaders at the PUC. So um, before I ask uh, the, those folks that are attending here today up for a photo, commissioners, if you'd like to say anything, the floor is yours. Commissioner Stacy, Just congratulations and thank you so much for your many years of service and enjoy your retirement. Go ahead, please. Oh, go, ahead. Uh, go ahead. Um, I, yes, I just wanted to say I'm absolutely impressed <laughs> the amount of years, wow. And um, I guess I share the concern of the uh, general manager. Uh, pretty tough to replace all those years of experience and knowledge and um, just thank you so, so much. And I hope you have great retirements and enjoy your time off with your families. And it's very well deserved. Thank you. Commissioner Maxwell. We're going to miss you. In fact, we already do miss you. Just thinking about it, we miss you already. Uh, and if you have anything you can add, if you want to just uh, write a little note anonymously on what we could do or something, you know, I'd appreciate it. Um, and I'm sure a lot of us would, but thank you for everything that you have done and everything that you will continue to do. And thank your families for us too, because they've done a lot making sure that you could even come. So thank you so much and thank your families. Yeah, and I just add like this is, um, this is a great amount of public service. We are all grateful for your service, for the time you spend making this utility a better place, for the people who you mentored, for the uh, you know, work that you did for this city and uh, for this county. It is, um, you know, obviously is a great thing to see that people work in this institution for such a long time and provide so much value this is something that's not as common. I've mentioned that every time we see people leaving with this many years of service in this day and age, it's very rare. Um, but I, it makes me feel that we have somewhere special that people come and would like to stay and, and uh, you know, be part of this community, and that is important for all of us. Um, I'm grateful for all your time and talent and energy and the fact that the hours that you took from your family and uh, spent it with us and um, we'll miss you and I think I agree with all the commissioners if you want to provide us some feedback we are happy to receive them in any form of shape um, if you have any ideas if you would like to um, you know come back and um, share some of your knowledge with us in case later when you miss um, 
having day, you know, coming to work every morning. Um, <laughs> otherwise, enjoy your vacation and uh, or time off and family time. And um, and if you have good talent that you think we should actually focus on, or if you have suggestions, please let us know. We are always looking for good talent to bring back, bring into our our little under our real umbrella and train them for future. And with that. Uh, thank you, uh, Madam President. And I'd like to invite Al and May up for photo. Told me we only had two. So my apologies. All right. Well, thank you for being here. Come on up. We have three. Fantastic. The, the more, the merrier. It's just a longer walk. <laughs>
And to any of our uh, retiree attendees, if you'd like to say a few words, the, uh, the floor is yours if you'd like. Okay. If anybody would like to say a few words, uh, either retirees or yes. uh, coworkers about our retirees, please feel free. Thank you. Why don't you just come to the front, please? Please do. Because we want to make sure the camera can catch you and people can see you at home and can hear you. I, I just want to thank CT provide me the opportunity to, to learn, to grow, and to contribute. I have been enjoying working for the city for the last more than 36 years. And I feel proud every time when I go to work. We know our mission and we contribute. We do the work for the city, the, the, all the citizens in San Francisco. And we do the for the better environment. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. Grow, learn, grow, contribute. Thank you. That's, that's uh, amazing. What about the, please do come and <laughs> say a few words. Yes. Well, uh, thank you for having me. Um, it's been a long, long haul, wonderful journey. Um, serving the city and county of San Francisco, uh, working for, with Al all these years, and uh, I worked for the water department, and Al worked for the water department, us old timers, PUC is kind of <laughs> not the term that we use. Um, I'm lucky to be a second generation uh, water wow. department uh, employee, um, following my father's footsteps, uh, Similar to the police and fire, I saw what he did and uh, decided that was the direction I wanted to go in and had uh, the great pleasure of uh, working on our water system in the city and city distribution division, um, customer service bureau, and then the last part of my career working for the water quality division um, down uh, in Burlingame. So I was able to see just about uh, everything, what they say, from, from infall to outfall. Um, and it was, a, it was a great run. What I miss the most is working like with Al, my fellow employees. I miss the, the camaraderie of the, of the daily uh, getting stuff done. And, uh, but I also miss not being on call anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> definite uh, a good trade-off. But again, it was a nice run. and. Uh, I pretty much enjoyed every minute of it. It went by way too fast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, 
I like the multi-generational thing. If you have kids who want to join us, please let them know. <laughs> we are here to recruit them. <laughs> Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on <coughs> item number 3A, please press star 3 to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Do we have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on this item? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Public comment on item 3A is closed. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Uh, item 3B is uh, introduction of Dr. Christian Bijou, our new Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer. Uh, Commissioners, as you are well aware, um, at this um, uh, uh, commission's direction several years ago, the work of um, diversity, equity, and inclusion was made to be a major priority and focus of um, the PUC. And that is something that uh, started before my tenure, but has been a key part of what I have attempted to accomplish. And, uh, kickstart over the course of the nearly last uh, two years, both in terms of uh, our works, work on building partnerships with our employees, by doing uh, um, mentorship programs, by uh, establishing uh, surveys to see how our employees felt. We want to make sure that everybody at the PUC recognize that diversity, equity, and inclusion is a major part of what we do. And a key component of that was hiring our first uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. And I am very happy to introduce to you Chris Bijou, who started uh, with the PUC on July the 10th. And we are truly, truly uh, lucky to have Chris. He is a nationally recognized expert, both from a practical perspective and an academic perspective, on issues of racial and social justice. He is an innovative thinker. He's passionate about DEI challenges in youth and adult legal systems, uh, child welfare, health and po uh, public health systems. He's an accomplished author uh, and academic on these subjects, and we are lucky to be able to have lured him back to uh, California. He did do some work in Santa Clara County before, but we were lucky to uh, lure him back from the East Coast where he recently completed his doctorate at Brandeis University. He also has a Master's in Business Administration from the Keller Graduate School of Ma Management, a Master of Public Health Epidemiology from Drexel University in, uh, School of Public Health in uh, uh, Philadelphia, and he has a Bachelor of, of Arts in Psychology from the City, and Colle City College of uh, New York. He has been a wonderful addition and has hit the ground running and is out in the field almost every day right now focusing on building his team but sharing the results of our racial equity survey with our employees throughout the organization so that they hear how important it is and how serious we take um, the work that we've all committed to do. So I am so happy to have him as part of the team. He didn't want to get introduced in July. He wanted to wait until he had the chance to hit the ground running and give some uh, perspective on what uh, he has noticed, and he's already uh, building his team. So with that, uh, I introduce to you Chris Bijou.
Good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be formally introduced to you all. I can't tell you how excited I am to be in this position, but keeping this short, I want to let you all know that this role for me isn't just a privilege. This role really is a representation of my life. I have dedicated my entire life and career to addressing racial and ethnic disparities across many fields. And the opportunity with the Public Utilities Commission allows me and allows the team to advance this work. So along with uh, Dennis, the general manager, and the amazing executive team at the PUC, we really hope to do some exciting things. And this is just a reminder that this work is not going to happen overnight. We're going to encounter a lot of challenges. But if we can be patient but also operate with a great sense of urgency, I do believe that the work that we can accomplish is going to be wonderful. And hopefully we can move to the other side of this because what happened in our country in 2020 was just the tip of the iceberg. Racial and ethnic disparities and inequities across organizations has been a long-running problem for many centuries. And so we have an opportunity to do something different. And so what we hope to accomplish is not to focus and prioritize problem analysis, but to really engage in solutions. We want to do more than we talk. And hopefully that we are doing the right things. And it may not always feel like the right things, but hopefully if we continue to talk to the people, to listen to what they have to say, to integrate their comments and their thoughts and their ideas, then we can do this collaboratively. And I'm really looking forward to exciting to leading this work with you all. Thank you so much for the introduction. Um, do you, yes, please go ahead. Thank you very much. And indeed, we are quite fortunate to have you. Um, you mentioned that uh, at some point we would hear about some of the uh, uh, the analysis that he's done after. Um, well, that this, you know we, we we put out a lot for people to comments and so that we would hear um, something about that at some point. Yes, and certainly, Commissioner. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Chris is out there talking now, yeah. so I'm going to. Defer to him. It's the appropriate <laughs> yeah. point of sharing information as we're learning it. So, right, uh, because I'd like to see also, you know, like in a report form, absolutely, um, you know, how uh, if it's quarterly or whatever you can think that might be appropriate, that we so we have an ongoing <coughs> idea of what's going on, and you have a connection with us at all the time. Absolutely, Commissioner. And part of what we are doing as a team is making sure that this work is transparent. Right? If it's done in secrecy, then you don't really know what's happening. And we want to make sure that the work is moving forward. And so part of what I and the team have been doing for the past several weeks is that we have been going to several sites to share the results of the racial equity survey that was released back in April. And so rather than sending it out via email, we wanted to really interface with the people. This work is relational. And if we're not building those relationships, if we're not making those connections, then we're not really doing the work honestly and authentically. And therefore, we are going out to every site and every location, and we are prioritizing that over six weeks, and we are in week three. We had a session this morning at 7.30, so that lets you know we are starting early, we end late, and this really is an opportunity. And so once we consolidate our findings, we will compile it in a report and transparently share it with everyone. And I think I, I, think I understand what your question was now. I wasn't, yes, in terms of the ongoing work that we are doing under Chris's leadership, we will figure out a way um, to make sure that that is reported to you on a regular basis Absolutely. about the work that we're doing in the entirety of the area. Right, because we're also going to be looking at a contract with um, later on 
and for help in, in doing that work. So that would be really important. Yeah, we will come up with a regularly scheduled reporting yeah. regime. That's yes. uh, and uh, some absolutely. goals that we know, what we're, the marks that we're trying to hit and where we're yeah. going. Uh, absolutely, yes. We are also looking at those issues and streamlining things and, again, making sure that they are prioritized, making sure that they are um, shared in a timely manner, but also in a way that is easily digestible so you know what is happening on the ground. Yeah, I think maybe, um, first of all, welcome. That's wonderful that you have joined us. Um, I think I just, one thing I would say is I don't want us to end up getting buried again with report writing process and not focusing on what we want to accomplish. <laughs> so I would say maybe we can have uh, some, some uh, presentations, like maybe 100 day, like I don't know, you know how kids what? go to school and they have 100 day like <laughs> accomplishment, or when you take a job, I think the presidents are evaluated in 100 days or something like that, so. Commissioners, I think, I under, I, you have my word, yes. we will report on a that regular basis. Good. I hear your, your eagerness yeah, yeah, to but get I also it. So want to we, make sure it will be we done. don't like put Chris in this situation that he's just writing constant. No, 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 no. I understand. First, I think <laughs> the type. Yeah, the uh, goal absolutely. is not. <laughs> the goal is to have obviously the goal is to have uh, to move this institution forward, right? And have the right set of pro, uh, you know performance metrics that can help us to kind of see how you're doing, and we want to give you enough time to familiarize yourself with this place and know what is in place and see what can come next and then we'll and then we'll hear back from you one other thing I want to say is uh, you know I think we collectively really want to make sure this doesn't and you know this because I'm sure Dennis had communicated the goal is to go beyond checking boxes right, right? and making sure we are enabling um, everybody with cultural diversity beyond just what box people belong to, mostly from what background they come in and what opportunities they have had and can they also have a chance to grow in, in an institution that is welcoming and right. brings them in. So I think it's important to kind of keep all those things in mind because you know, PUC certainly is a very, very diverse place and we wanna make sure everybody has a place in it and feels, um, that they can, hold on, I wanna I want use that terminology again. <laughs> Learn, grow, and contribute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely, we definitely are learning and growing as a team. The team is young, uh, yet the team is already moving things forward. And again, we have an amazing leadership team with us. And part of that is even going beyond just the cultural competencies, right? It's really just engaging the community competency and the community advancement and development I have zero interest transparently in being buried in reports. I did not come here to write a bunch of reports. I came here to get things done. And we came here to get things done. And so I do believe that we are going to get some things done. And the reports are also going to be important to transparently share those things. But we want to prioritize the community. We want to pri prioritize the organization and the people, not just necessarily writing some beautiful words on paper. But we want to make sure that we get the work done as well. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Do we need to have public comment on this item? Thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item 3B, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on item 3B? See none, Ms. Uh, do we have any callers with their hands raised? 
Madam Secretariat, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Public comment and item 3B is closed. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Item 3C is the fiscal year 2025 and 25-26 biannual budget update. Uh, Nancy Hall will be presenting. Thank you. Good afternoon, President, Vice President, and Commissioners. My name is Nancy Hom, Chief Financial Officer and Assistant General Manager for Business Services. Today, I'd like to provide a quick introduction to our biannual budget and capital planning process, which we are about to kick off. So this is an official welcome. May I have the slides? Thank you. This is our agenda today. We'll begin with a brief overview of SFPUC's operating and capital budget then continue with priorities we are focusing upon for this budget cycle. I'll also provide a review and reminder of our commission policies that govern our budget process. And lastly, we'll then finish with a look at the budget schedule of what to expect over the next few months. SFPUC's current operating budget is currently is $1.8 billion, which is nearly funded all by water, power, and sewer ratepayers. And as previously mentioned before, these are, are, there are two major cost drivers in our budget year over year. The first and largest cost driver is our capital program, which shows up in our operating budget as debt service and revenue funded capital. The second is power purchases for Hetchy Power and Clean Power SF. The next largest cost after those two is personnel. We have 2,745 funded full-time equivalents of which 2,300 are filled at any given time. And as you can see in this pie chart here, water is the largest enterprise comprising about 43% of our budget, followed by power and wastewater at 33 and 24%. The bureaus, which include finance, human resources, external affairs, support the enterprises, and their bureau costs are allocated via an overhead allocation model to the enterprises. And as mentioned, capital is our biggest cost. Our 10-year capital plan, which was approved by the Commission last February, is $8.8 billion, which about $1.4 billion budgeted in this current fiscal year. The largest driver of the capital plan is the Sewer System Improvement Program in wastewater, which makes up the majority of the green bars shown here in this chart. We do anticipate and expect some growth in the capital plan in this budget cycle, of which we obviously must carefully trade off with future rate increases. When developing a budget, it's important to consider an organization's priorities. And for this budget cycle, we have set priorities to help us make decisions on where to spend funds and to consider trade-offs on how to balance the budget. These priorities are listed here on this slide, and the first is affordability, which is about ensuring the best value for our ratepayers and responsible financial planning to keep rates affordable. Staff are currently drafting a new affordability policy, which will be brought to this commission shortly and we will help us set guidelines for our budgeting and capital planning. In addition, currently, staff across SFPUC are diligently working to improve our capital planning process to ensure we budget efficiently and deliver the projects that we plan for. Our second priority here is responsible management. In here, what we're doing is that we're ensuring that we plan for a sustainable financial future and that we address the recruitment and retention challenges within our workforce, and that we're also ensuring that we have resources in place to implement our racial equity action plan and consider the equity impacts of our investments. We want to be transparent and maintain the highest level of ethics and adhere, and adhere to robust internal controls in our, in our decision making and in our operations. 
And then lastly, we want to ensure responsible management of the system that has been entrusted into our care by repairing, maintaining, and ensuring sufficient resources to keep it running reliably, safely, and in compliance with regulations now and in the future. The last priority here is investing where it matters. And what this means is we're specifically speaking to our capital plan. Capital investments generate jobs and help with economic recovery. And as such, we must ensure our investments do consider their equity impacts. This includes replacing aging infrastructure, such as the massive investments we are currently making into the Southeast treatment plant. We must focus on meeting new customer demands, such as upgrading power infrastructure to handle demands like at San Francisco International Airport, or supporting new affordable housing, or new developments at the San Francisco port. And lastly, we continue to be good stewards of the environment and make sure our infrastructure is resilient to climate change. So back to our budget process. Our goal is, between now and February, to develop a balanced two-year fixed operating and capital budget, a 10-year capital plan, and a 10-year financial plan that meets our commission's adopted policies. And they're listed here for you. Uh, our affordability policy, as I mentioned earlier, that is forthcoming soon. Uh, we have the rate payer assurance policy, our financial and debt policies, technology policy, asset management policy, and racial justice resolution. Lastly, this is our budget schedule. It's a timeline of what to expect next. We're currently here today at the beginning, and between now and at the end of this calendar year, we will be going through staff level deliberations to come up with a recommendation on a balanced budget and capital plan We'll hold special meetings of this commission at the end of January to review and discuss the budget proposals in detail and allow for questions and discussion. And on February 13th, 2024, the commission will adopt, vote to adopt the two-year operating budget, the two-year capital budget, 10-year capital plans, 10-year financial plans, and afterwards, that budget will be submitted to the mayor's office where it will continue to the Board of Supervisors. And all should be finalized by July 2024 nine months from now, and once then we'll come back to this commission to explain the challenges that have taken place in the mayor and board phases. So our budget development process is a very critical step uh, for our agency. It really is an opportunity to align our resources that we have with our priorities and to make a statement of our values. So we're really excited to get this process started. Thank you, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Ms. Holmes. Uh, any questions, colleagues? I have a question for you. Um, can we have this slide with priorities for this budget up for a second? Um, yeah, the slides back. I, Thank you. Okay, so I really appreciated these um, categories. I think they're very, very important. Uh, one observation and maybe um, a suggestion I have is. I would pull out the environmental stewardship, resilience, and climate change, and um, and access. I don't think I don't see access here, but I think the access is divided between the affordability and the responsible management, and put them on top, because I think that's the lens through which we have to go through every one of these buckets. Um, we really need to kind of make climate change as, you know, we need to look at everything through the lens of climate change because it's happening. It's not yes. something that 
we are expecting to happen later. We really need to protect the environment. It's, it, is, it is our mission and it is important. And we wanna make sure everybody has access to clean and affordable water, right? And I think those three are sort of the pillars of where, how we want this budget to be sort of thought through. And I think everything else sort of needs to be designed by having those, those three items as a core. Um, one other thing I would say is, I know I've brought this up multiple times, and I'm gonna, I know at some point, um, Mr. Herrera, you and I last year, before we passed the rate uh, change, um, we had a conversation about rethinking about how we do the rate setting processes and the whole decoupling the rates. I still wanna bring that back. I know this is not something that, put it this way, if we keep hiring the same rate consultants that we are hiring and every other water agency in the country is hiring, will give us the same kind of rate design that we have and everybody else has. So I would like for us to go back and, I mean, my suggestion is, let's hire a energy rate consultants and bring them in to design our water rates and see how it looks. Um, I know, I mean, I think decoupling the rates are going to be key for us to be financially sustainable and be able to maintain our aging infrastructure and infrastructure as a whole, considering all the challenges we are facing. I know this came up another time that, oh, this might not be very attractive to some of the environmental groups. And I would say initially might not be, but in the long run it is because we need to make sure we can maintain this system to a top highest quality. We need to make sure everybody pays to maintain this system. And ultimately, you know, we need to make sure people pay more if they are using too much water versus too little. But everybody ha depends on this system. It doesn't matter. And then on top of that, then we can think about, okay, so do we need to have lifeline? I mean, we have all these different programs for affordability, which they still can be in place, but it can be done through that lens. So um, I would like this to be part of our goal for this year, to look into this and, um, and maybe have a, you know, have a discussion uh, and yeah, a report we, or something. As you like know, that. Uh, Commissioner, we just on the on the yeah. on the rate side that we just accomplished, sure. we just did do essentially some decoupling with our stormwater charges, and um, and you have a, this is obviously a three-year period that we have for these rates, but it's certainly so on the water side, certainly something we will examine. I would say even for the sewer side or the stormwater side, we partially did that. I know we do yes. some form of a decoupling, but we are not doing a full decoupling. That's true. So, um, and that is not going to help us in the long run. Um, so the idea is for the next three years that we have time, we need to start now. Sure. And we need to make sure we bring somebody in who gives us a different answer from what we always get if we pay someone who sets everybody else's rates. That's just the bottom line. Right? If you bring somebody from General Motors, it's not gonna, it's not gonna design a Tesla for you. Yep, That's well, we will certainly examine line. that, we, and we're happy to have that discussion. That sounds good, thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Stacy. 
Uh, thank you for the very clear report. You know, I spent a lot of time looking at your slide five as well, and it's almost hard to break those uh, priorities down into three separate columns. They're, they all seem so interrelated, and we have so many um, sort of uh, issues and priorities to balance and yes. uh, really think about how they interact. I think about efficient capital planning as being essential to affordability, but also responsible management, and that's where investing where it matters um, fits in. I, I, I agree <clears throat> with uh, President Ajami that we really want to be uh, good environmental stewards and resilience and climate change planning is essential for the utility. I, I think there are many um, uh, priorities that staff and the commission have to balance. Uh, certainly we yeah, most definitely. There are so many things to think about, and I, I really appreciate how interrelated all of these are, um, and they're not so much separate columns as many, many things, uh, priorities and policies to consider as we put together budgets and capital planning and deciding which projects go in what order and what that means for ratepayers. And I really appreciate the balance that uh, you struggle with and everybody in the agency struggles with and the commission does too, but it's a really um, complicated way of putting it all together. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Commissioner just, Maxwell. Just briefly, um, I, I really agree wholeheartedly with um, our president on, on the lens that we sh see things through. Uh, I don't think it, it just, it makes it easier, um, I think, to, to prioritize when you have that lens. So um, I agree with her wholeheartedly and I also agree with um, Commissioner Stacy. but I think having the lens is extremely important going forth. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if there are no more comments, can we have public comment on this item? Thank you so much. Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item 3C, press star 3 to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Do you have any members of the public present to provide comment on item 3C? Seeing none, do we have any callers in the queue? Madam Secretary, there are two callers that wish to be recognized. Thank you, callers. This is on item 3C. Caller, I have a meeting online. You have two minutes. My name is Gwendolyn. Is that mom? My name is Gwendolyn Rogers Jackson Fagan. Yes, go ahead. This is for item 3C, the budget update. Okay. Um, my name is Gwen Jackson Fagan, and um, I just wanted to comment on this, um, the scene where 8.8 .8 billion dollars trade-off for um, racial iniquity. I was hoping that they can use some of that money to um, repair the agent infrastructure at the 1800 Oakdale 
to uh, let that be a landmark. Okay. Okay. All right. Yes. The reason why I was uh, calling, I see that they have like an 8.8 billion trade-off, and I was hoping they can use that money for uh, Rachel Ignigity, where they can um, repair the aging infrastructure at 1800 Oakdale that could remain that as a legacy. We keep coming to the meeting, and. I was told that no one knows what they're going to do with the 1800 uh, facility. So I see all this money that PUC has. Yes, use some of that money for our community at Southeast Community College. Thank you for your comments. Thank you, caller. Uh, caller, I've unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Okay. Um, Ms. Moderator, do we need... Hello, this is... Go ahead, caller. Hi, I think I'm up. This is Peter Dreckmeyer, Policy Director for the Tuolumne River Trust. Um, I appreciated President Ajami's comments. Um, decoupling is very important. Addressing affordability is very important. Um, there was concern that maybe some environmentalists might have some concerns, but I think if we sat down and talked about the big picture, we could probably get to the same place. So um, I'm not too worried about that. There's been some talk about environmental stewardship. I think we need to, a way to measure that. Um, an obvious one is the salmon population. And a couple of years ago, then Commissioner Harrington had requested updates on environmental metrics, similar to the water supply condition update. Um, I think we're due for one of those. The salmon spawning season will be getting soon and will be in full force in about five or six weeks. So uh, that would be a, a good opportunity to talk about environmental stewardship so we know what we're striving for and how we can measure our success. And I hope you all had a chance to read our NGO comments on the alternative water supply plan that we submitted at the end of August because they're really focused a lot on the budget. And slide four shows 8.8 .8 billion in capital costs for the next 10 years. Uh, that does not include development of any alternative water supplies, which if you did the whole 92 MGD, that would cost $300 million per year, every year. And so we emphasize it's really important to get that right and not over-invest. Um, and I hope that conversation can happen sooner rather than later my concern is that the alternative water supply plan won't really be prioritized. And then you have these budget hearings starting in January and the same mistake is made that we need to invest a lot more, which rates will go up. So we've been wanting to have that conversation for a long time. We focused on the design drought and how by removing 
I'm sorry, caller, your allocated time has expired. Madam Secretary, there are no callers that wish to be recognized. Thank you. Public comment on item 3C is closed. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Uh, item 3D <coughs> three is a Hetch Hetchy Capital Improvement Program Outreach uh, Program Quarterly Report from Katie Miller. Uh, good afternoon, President Ajami and Commissioners. I'm Katie Miller, Director of Water Capital Programs. Uh, could I have the slides, please? Uh, today I will share a summary of the Hetch Hetchy Capital Improvement Program for the fourth quarter of this fiscal year from April 3rd to June 30th, 2023. This quarter is, this uh, photo is of our Hetch Hetchy Reservoir at the 100th anniversary celebration of the O'Shaughnessy Dam in May. And this was taken by our talented photographer, uh, Robin Scheiswall, who was here with us earlier today. These pie charts show the program status with eight projects in pre-construction and now with seven projects in construction and multiple phases and some of those with multiple construction contracts. Um, we have one project that was completed during the quarter, the San Joaquin Pipeline Tesla, Tesla Valves Replacement. $255 million has been spent to date for about 33% complete overall. During the quarter, we reached several major milestones in the projects. One project completed conceptual engineering, three projects completed 35% design, one completed 95% design, and one project reached construction final completion. Um, only 13 million was spent during the quarter, which is a little bit low, but it's a little bit of downtime in our construction projects. This table shows a summary of project expenditures and cost forecasts grouped by funding source, water, power, or joint water and power. There are no new cost variances in the quarter. And, and now I'm gonna share just a couple of uh, construction project highlights. And I'm very happy uh, to introduce our, um, our, con our Construction Management Bureau, Hetchy Regional Construction Manager, Lucas Hoffman, who's with us here today. And uh, he is leading this uh, significant effort in the high country to get these construction projects done and really doing an excellent job. So for the O'Shaughnessy Dam Outlet Works Phase One project, uh, this has um, two sub-projects that are now in construction and one will th that will be advertised next quarter. A progressive design build contract for design of the new bulkhead systems was awarded. The contract work began in September. Drawings and specifications for the drainage improvement sub-project were prepared, and this contract is expected to be advertised and to be bid in October. A job order contract was awarded to improve equipment access into the tunnel access building below the dam. This will help facilitate the work for the in-stream flow release valve sub-project, and this construction contract was also awarded during the quarter. So we really have a lot going on at the dam. And for the Transmission Line 7-8 upgrades project, uh, during the quarter, the contractor continued construction to improve and expand the foundations at the existing tower legs. Temporary overhead transmission line crossing structures were completed at all road, railroad, and adjacent overhead utility crossings. And all long lead materials have been ordered and let deliveries <coughs> are arriving and being stored on site. And I have a couple of bonus slides uh, to show you the work that is currently happening. Uh, these photos were also taken by Robin. Um, this one shows Tower 559 that is being raised nine feet 
to its new height, with the substructure being built underneath it in place. Uh, during the past two months, 33 out of 37 tower raises occurred successfully, with only four to go. And this is in preparation for a full power outage along this line uh, that will begin this Sunday, October 1st, and go for two months to December 15th, when the new conductor lines, or, or the wires, uh, brand new lines will be strung. And so far, the contract work is on schedule and budget and on track for the upcoming shutdown. And with that, I'm happy to take any questions. Fantastic, thank you. Commissioner Maxwell. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, it's great to see all this great work happening. I have a couple of questions. Um, on the Marcuson penstock rehabilitation, I wasn't quite sure. Um, this is progress and status and the alternatives. Um, and one alternative is, uh, is an alternative is a shaft and tunnel with pipeline connections. I wasn't quite sure what that meant. Um, are you taking those big pipes out and putting them underground? What's, yeah. Yes, thank you for uh, asking. It's a very important question. As you recall, I've been reporting over the last quarters about the uh, recent inspections that were done where they found uh, cracks that were as deep as a, a quarter inch mm -hmm. in the pipelines. Um, so they are, uh, you know, now we have a, very high concern about the uh, longevity of those pipelines. Um, they've lasted, but they have had uh, failures in the past, um, and we're looking at full replacement instead of just rehabilitation. So rehabilitation is off the table, except maybe a short-term project to just kind of shore up what we already have. And then in terms of the long-term options, um, they've just completed alternatives analysis, and the favored alternative was a, a, a shaft that would be up um, you know, closer to Priest Reservoir where the, the pipeline's coming over, a shaft, and then a, a horizontal tunnel that would come out at the powerhouse. It's a, a majorly different project. It would require um, significant CEQA and um, you know, a long environmental uh, permitting process. So, and it's very expensive. It's over uh, $200 million. So, so the pipes, the, um, the, as they are now, would no longer be there. They would go down. Uh, that so is, they come over the, rise, the would water would no longer flow through them, right. but they are of historical significance, so they may stay, and oh, okay, that is would water, all need to be analyzed in the CEQA process. But the water would, would go down. That's correct. The water would flow through the shaft and then a, a vertical, um, I'm sorry, a horizontal pipeline instead of flowing down the diagonal penstocks. So they would just be there possibly for looks. If that's how we choose to proceed and that all needs to be analyzed. It's all very new. And, and uh, so when you're thinking of 200 million, which in the scheme of things really I, I know is a lot, but in the scheme of things, the way we do things, it really seems like it's it's doable. Um, and especially if, if we're looking at it going for 100 years or there's a lot of things that, that are taken into consideration with that 200 million, I would assume, that it might be a better way to go in a longer um, yes, I think our staff agrees with you. They have um, analyzed this, and that is their preferred option for a lot of reasons, including the operation maintenance and the longevity of uh, a shaft and a, and a tunnel. Um, but we're still early, 
and we are looking at how to also reduce the risk of failure of the existing penstocks while we plan this longer project in whatever form it ends up taking. We're also trying to see if there is a lower cost pipeline alternative, um, but right now the tunnel and the shaft are the preferred alternative. All right, thank you. Another question. Um, I noticed that with the um, Moccasin Powerhouse rehabilitation, when it comes to issues and challenges, um, there's a, a there's sub projects and sub project A. It says additional costs of four million dollars due to unforeseen site conditions and additional construction management costs. And then on the other one, the other overall subject um, sub project C, it says thirty four million dollars due to additional scope. Uh, and some other things, and additional construction management and support costs. Uh, so I'm just, con you know, uh, and then there's another one where it says, and this is on the um, substation, Warnerville. It says issues and challenges forecasted cost is higher than the approved budget due to higher forecasted construction management costs. So I'm just wondering um, what's going on with construction management. And if somebody could kind of give us an eye of what that means. Yes, I would be ha happy issues to. Issues with management and construction. So I just want to know what's going on here and how we're looking at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share with you. Um, some of our lessons learned was in these uh, high voltage electrical projects, which are really complex. Um, it really pays to have expert uh, electrical construction inspectors and engineers on site during the projects to support the decision making that's happening during you know, electrical shutdowns, um, critical milestones that are happening during construction. So we have upped our construction management budgets for those electrical projects. You'll see it's limited to the electrical projects. So we can bring on the expertise that we need and really make sure we do it right and don't create any safety hazards and also produce something that is operable and maintainable into the future. Well, that sounds comforting. Really, I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad to know that we're doing that so that we don't have, um, as you mentioned, something else happen. So that's, that's good. And that's it is good. a lessons learned because we didn't estimate that in our original estimates. And it's something we now know and we're adding to our budgets going forward. Well, maybe, you know, instead of, because when you see that additional management cost, Maybe there should be a, a short explanation of that we're bringing in experts because of so-and-so, and then we'd have an idea of why instead of time, you know, you start reading and, uh-oh, here we go again, here we go again. So there's a reason for that, and I think it should be mentioned because that's a good thing. Point well taken. Thank you. Um, I actually have a, a follow-up on the, uh, the McCossum Powerhouse bypass. Um, I think I'm asked this last time too. Um, the, you know, leak that, I mean, the break that we had in the pipes, um, was there any way to capture that before even doing the, I mean, I'm wondering if we are putting any tools in place to, to catch these things um, before we, are, we start, you know, another process, right? Like, we need to have some early warning systems in place to help us to prevent or actually treat these problems 
before they become a bigger problem. So I was wondering, are we considering anything? And now that we are thinking about shafts and tunnels, I'm like, oh my God, now I'm like, can't even see it. Um, yes, thank you for that question. You're speaking to the pen stocks and yes. the, and the cracks that we yes. found. Yes. And we are currently evaluating that. You know, we did uh, quite a, a bit of investigation, but it was only a small portion of the pipes. So we're looking into if we need to investigate more. Um, we're looking into fast response strategies in case it does break and then rehabilitation that we may be able to do now. In terms of uh, like early early warning indicators, I'm not sure that something exists for that, but um, you know we could watch pressure or something we'll discuss. We do have that for our pre-stressed concrete pipes that are in the bay division system. We have listening devices that listen mm. for wire breaks, but this is just a solid um, steel iron pipe, so it's harder to detect it early. I mean, there are, like, these days, there are tools out there which, you know, I, I tell you, like, every other day somebody emails me about their new great idea or new great gadget they have yeah. that's going to solve all our infrastructure problems. So I'm sure it's not that hard to find someone who can do something like this in this day and age. Just saying, you know, if we want these things to last 100 years, we need to make sure we take tools that, are, that belongs to this time to move forward rather than just keep the same tools and models that we had before. So if we are doing this, it's, I rather, I mean, I know we are talking about a lot of money, but I rather to invest a little bit more and have something that can work more efficiently and effectively in the long run rather than um, just do the bare bone to make sure that we have limited budget, since we have limited budget. So just saying that, one other thing I want to share with you, and I know this is not exactly about this, but um, but I know this also came up when we were working on the um, bypass tunnel uh, as well, which we were talking, thinking about doing something else, and we realized, oh, the tunnel that existed, the, it was the most efficient way to move water. And I was reading something yesterday that focused on sort of ancient ways of doing things and how... We are all realizing this today that some of those were the most efficient ways of saving water, moving water around, so doing a lot of different, because we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have energy, we didn't have a lot of tools, we had to be efficient, right? Saying this just because sometimes things sounds good to change things significantly, and I'm a big advocate for change if it's possible. But sometimes it's important to kind of step back and say, why did they put it through this? And was there like a logical reason that made them to make this choice? Uh, partly because this system has worked for such a long time. And, and I wonder, what was the logic, you know, when they did not have as much, you know, as many tools and gadgets and resources to do all these things? So just leaving this with you, I know it's not necessarily a directive to do something, but I'm just, I know we are dealing with a lot of different projects and I think it's important to think about like why's and how and is this new way of doing things going to help us or hurt us in the long run. Did you want to say something? Yeah. Oh yeah, go ahead, please. We always talk about redundancy. So there's nothing, there's no redundancy here. If these, if something breaks on one of these, there's nothing there's no valve to close. There's no. That is correct. Oh. Mm. Okay. 
So a, a shaft and a tunnel would be much more reliable um, than the pipelines. Um, but yes, duly noted, we are looking at every alternative very closely now before we make that much of an investment. And it's such a pleasure and an honor to work on the Hetch Hetchy system, which is primarily a linear system that flows by gravity. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's just the engineering is outstanding. And so there isn't much to change in most cases. Right. Um, they've already thought about the best possible way of doing things. Thank you. Thank you. If there are no more comments, can we have public comment on this item? Members, members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item 3D, the Hetch Hetchy Capital Report, press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when two minutes have expired. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on this item? Madam. Do we have any callers in the queue with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are no calls that wish to be recognized. Thank you. Public comment on item 3D is closed. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Item uh, 3E is the Wastewater Enterprise Quarterly Report, including the Southeast Area Major Projects Update, both biosolids and headworks, and Bessie Tam will be presenting. Good afternoon, President Ajami and Commissioners. My name is Bessie Tam. I'm the new director for the Wastewater Capital Program. It's an honor to be presenting this uh, report to you today. So may I have the slides, please? So today I'm here to present the June quarterly report. This is Q4. This is a photo of the biosolids project. Um, I'm going to follow a similar uh, format, so this will be familiar to you that um, AGM uh, Robinson had been using. So we're going to start with the construction updates today. On the left is the Wawona Area Stormwater Improvement Project. Um, you can see here there are the workers here installing a 36-inch diameter firefighting water system valve in the trench. Um, this project is progressing along very well. We're actually at about 95% complete on the firefighting water component of the work. Um, the contractor is also installing sewer laterals and other um, street base in this area. Um, there were some concerns about the pavement restoration recently from the residents and the supervisor's office, and I believe the project team has already addressed that with the contractor, and we've communicated updates to the resident and the supervisor's office. The second picture in the middle is the North Shore Pump Station Wet Weather Improvement Project, and what you see here is a lot of rebars and formwork. Um, the, con the contractor is actually in installing um, the rebar and formwork to extend a pad for the new two, two of the new dry weather pumps that will go on top in this area. Um, in the quarterly report, you will actually see actually the pumps installed. Uh, but we found this picture to be very interesting because you can actually see the guts of it, the rebars that's underneath the concrete pad. Um, so that's the North Shore pump station. And last but not least on the right is our West Side Pump Station Reliability Improvement Project. This is a um, really nice aerial view of the uh, raceway. That's the conduits um, that are installed under the freeway for this project. And you can see on the bottom of the slide, these are the anticipated completion dates for the three construction projects. In this slide, um, as usual, we are presenting our 
uh, pie chart of the program status for SSIP phase one. Um, currently, overall, there are no changes in the program. We are maintaining the $4.402 billion in 7D projects. The progression in the project completion is due to the shifting of three of the projects from closeout to completed. You can see on the blue. Um, I do want to point out that you may notice the left side of the chart may look a little different from what is in your package. Um, what you see here is actually a correction and it reflects the actual um, updates from the March report. And we'll be sure to send out the updated one with the um, meeting summary today. Moving on to the next slide, this is a roll-up version of Table 3 in the quarterly report. Um, the major thing to note here is in column E, um, there are no cost variants between the last quarterly report and this quarterly report. So we are, um, again, maintaining the forecast budget um, for all of the various projects in the program. And this is uh, the slide for, again, table three, but this is for the facilities and infrastructure program. Um, again, in column E, you will see that there are no cost variance between the last quarterly and this quarterly report. Um, as usual, we want to provide you some updates on the milestones in the various projects in the program. Um, in this slide, you can see we have awarded two um, construction contracts during this past quarter. And then we also completed uh, milestone designs for both, for two projects, one at 95% design and another one at 35% design, as you can see here. And five projects achieved the conceptual engineering report status, which is the last phase in the planning phase. So those projects will be transitioning into construction in the upcoming quarters. And since this is September, we are at the end of the summer. Um, we wanted to highlight and show you some photos here of the student trainees that had come through our program. The top photo are some of the engineering student trainees uh, from our project management bureau who were touring the Southeast plant, um, specifically the biosolids project. And on the bottom are high school students from John O'Connor High School, um, again, touring uh, our Southeast plant at the Headworks project. A lot of fun to have the students here. I was a student trainee myself with the city and county. <laughs> um, moving on to major project updates. So the biosolid digester facility project, um, some of the commissioners you have toured this plant, so you will know that we have actually progressed a little bit more beyond this photo. Um, some of the tank walls are up, it's very exciting. Um, the major thing to note is that for this project, um, over 90% of the work packages have been bid out as of the June report. And in this past report, we actually spent almost $64 million um, in, as an update. And then last but not least, our new, new Headworks facility project. Um, you can see here, um, again, this is a uh, project that has progressed along very nicely in the last quarter, and we've spent almost $45 million in this last quarter for this project. So construction is definitely progressing very well for both of these projects. And with that, I'm happy to take any questions you have. Go ahead, Commissioner Maxwell. Thank you. Thank you very much for that report. Um, I was wondering, what were the issues that the community had and the supervisor? 
um, for the Wawona project. Yeah. Um, so um, one of the blocks where the work was completed, um, we had some um, um, coordination that we had to do with the contractor and the subcontractor to restore paving in a timely manner. So that has been resolved. Our construction and management team and the uh, project team, you know, basically had to just kind of reach out and try to understand what were some of the challenges um, between the contractor and the sub. And they have committed to you know, pro proceed with the paving work that is going to be happening um, in a week or so. So that was what the community was complaining about, that the pavement hadn't been done? That they were not restored you know, as okay. quickly as they had ex the community had expected us to do. Yes. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, and uh, just, you know, uh, Supervisor, I, Commissioner, <laughs> but I was talking with Supervisor about it. So um, I got involved in that and was dealing directly with uh, Supervisor Melgar. And um, our staff was incredibly responsive in trying to make commitments to the community irrespective of the um, ongoing dispute mm -hmm. between the sub and uh, the contractor. And we've uh, communicated that and they received personal commitments from me on getting the work done. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, can we have public comment on this item? Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public con comment on item 3, 3D, oh, 3E, I'm sorry, press star 3 to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on this item? Seeing none, do we have any callers in the queue with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are no callers that wish to be recognized. Thank you. Public comment on this item is closed. Thank you, Madam Secretary, and that concludes my report. Thank you so much. Uh, can we have the next item, please? Next item is item four, the Bay Area Water Supply and Conservation Agency update. Welcome. Good afternoon, President Dominey, members of the Commission, Nicole Sankulabaska, CEO. Thanks for the opportunity to provide you with a verbal update on three items that I think you may be interested in. First, uh, BOSCA continues to work with its member agencies to negotiate a drought allocation plan among them. This would be a new plan. It's called the Tier 2 Drought Allocation Plan, and it is the plan that determines how the 26 wholesale customers share the available supplies from your system during a drought. And the current Tier 2 plan was last adopted in 2009. It was adopted unanimously by all the member agencies' governing bodies, and it expired in 2018 because that coincided with the uh, a decision that was supposed to happen about San Jose and Santa Clara at that time. Since then, the Bosca Board has actually been acting yearly to extend that plan every year so that we would always at least have a plan in place and then also providing the opportunity for the member agencies to negotiate a new tier two plan. Bosca initiated these current negotiations in 2022. Notable progress has actually been made to date. Uh, it includes agreement on a set of policy principles that are guiding the development of the updated allocation methodology identifying the range of factors to be considered for inclusion in the potential new Tier 2 formula um, that's being negotiated and how those factors should be considered. And then also a straw person concept, which brings these factors together into a spreadsheet tool. 
What's nice is the spreadsheet tool really allows the user, so in this instance, the individual member agencies each have a designated negotiator to adjust the values for different factors to support their evaluation of the different options and really to support the overall negotiations. As an example, one factor that's proposed for the new tier two plan is the calculation of the minimum supply required to meet an agency's public health and safety needs. As you can imagine, we, when we negotiated the first one in 2009, it had been a long time since anyone had really experienced a significant drought. Now everybody in the room has personal experience about what it means. And so we're all coming to this with, I think, some very good conversations. So Bosca's goal is to complete the negotiations this fiscal year. Once they are complete, the new tier two plan must be adopted by the governing body for each member agency. Second, uh, Bosca has initiated its work to develop the scope for its new long-term reliable water supply strategy 2045. This scoping effort for strategy 2045 is expected to take roughly six months. It includes monthly engagement with our member agencies, our board policy committee, and the board of directors. And we intend to begin development of the strategy 2045 next fiscal year. On both of these items in particular, I'll continue to keep the commission updated as the year progresses. My third item, I just want to announce our fall 2023 water efficient landscape education series. Um, our landscape education classes are really designed to introduce homeowners, uh, commercial property managers, landscape service providers, and others to the concept of water efficient and sustainable landscaping. Um, this fall, we're actually offering 20 classes, uh, over 20 classes that are available to the public for free. Um, some are by Zoom webinars. That's kind of one of the benefits of the post-pandemic world. Um, but also some are in person. And the topics range from rainwater harvesting and rain gardens a rain barrel workshop, which is a very popular turf replacement, succulent container gardening, edible gardening, and more. Um, all of this information is actually on our website where people can sign up for the classes. Um, the other thing that's really nice is we now have a library of the virtual classes that we've been hosting and having since the beginning of the pandemic. And so again, I think it's a great resource for the public who are interested in these concepts moving forward. Thank you very much. That concludes my remarks. I'll answer any questions you might have. Thank you so much, uh, colleagues. Any questions? I just want to note I'm glad uh, about, I mean, thank you for your report, obviously, but the last item, because I noticed in our water supply uh, report that uh, our deliveries to the wholesale customers have been going up. Uh, we are almost at the 2020 levels, so it's just, I'm closely watching this sort of hoping it would follow 2015, but it just has gone um, off a little bit. So I'm glad uh, you'll see uh, you're still offering those programs. I also wonder if you have seen any change in interest or participation in these, or do you know if there are any stats around how often people by themselves go and click on one of those? So we're actually doing a, a website update, so we're looking at the stats to see who's going to see what. Um, I have noticed one of our agencies, Alameda County Water District over in the East Bay, um, they do some really aggressive outreach to their customers, and so their numbers have just gone skyrocketing in this last year. And so one of the things I've tasked my team with is to go say, okay, what's working for them? What more do we need to do? Um, but typically these classes, and especially the virtual classes, we've had anywhere from 50 to 100 people participate. So this is not like they're 10 
people. Um, and so, you know, a lot of interest. And I was actually thinking back about when we started these education programs and they support our long be gone rebate program and stuff. You know, the idea is transforming the landscapes in the service area. And I've certainly seen it as I drive through the service area. So this is, a you know, really trying to push that farther. Um, and nothing like, you know, the end of a drought to make these things more attractive to everybody. So I'm hoping we'll get more response. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thank you. Um, can we have public comment on this item? Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item four, press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Do you have any members of the public present to provide comment on this item? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are no callers that wish to be recognized. Thank you. Public comment on item four is closed. <coughs> Thank you. Can we have the next item, please? Item number five is your consent calendar. Colleagues, any comments or questions on the consent calendar? Seeing none, uh, can we have public comment, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item five, your consent calendar, press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when two minutes have expired. Do we have any members, members of the public present to provide comment on item five? Seeing none, do we have any callers in the queue with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are no callers that wish to be recognized. Thank you, public comment on item five is closed. Thank you. Colleagues, if there are no comments or questions, can I have a motion and a second to approve this item? Move to approve. Second. Thank you. Can we have a roll call, please? President Ajami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have four ayes. Excellent. Um, all the items in the constant calendar pass. Um, can we have the next item, please? Item six, award contract numbers PRO 0240A dash B, Racial Equity Consulting to AECOM Technical Services Incorporated for PRO 0240A and Rosales Building Partners and GCAP Services Joint Venture for PRO 0240B, each for an amount not to exceed 9500000 with a term of five years for as-needed racial equity consulting and support services to assist with implementation of the agency's racial equity action plan racial justice resolution, and other racial equity priorities. Good afternoon again. Uh, I don't come to you with a presentation just to really talk about these contracts and the significance and the magnitude of the contracts to the organization. Committing $19 million in terms of capacity to conduct the work around racial and advancing racial equity and diversity and inclusion at the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission really is commendable. Within the Racial Equity Action Plan, we had seven pillars that as an agency we are tasked to advance, and they consist of hiring and recruiting, retention and promotion, mobility and professional development, discipline and separation, um, diverse equitable leadership and boarding commissions. And so within that, as you all saw earlier, with an organization with more than 2,700 full-time positions and at a capacity right now of 2,300 that are staffed, this work is going to be incredibly complicated and intricate. 
and therefore we need to make sure that we are developing the internal capacity to carry out this work in a 2300 person organization and in order to do that we need to leave the flexibility to bring in internal consultants that can help us do this work and so with the transparent process that we had around these two contracts it really is building the infrastructure for myself the team and the organization to really carry out the work and the mission that was set forth around the racial equity action plan and so therefore really this is just a remarkable opportunity to just demonstrate the ways in which this work can not only advance the organization but its commitment to the community that racial equity diversity and inclusion is more than just terminology that this work is going to be beyond superficial but really moving the agency in a way that is really moving into the future along with its other initiatives that are highly invested in and so this is part of that recognition and that reminder and uh, ahead, madam please. president before um, i open it up to any questions i just want to uh say this is this uh contract is the first major contract that uh, will, will be let in this area uh but uh just to um sort of lead on what christian had to say it is a recognition of the importance of the work but rest assured that um this work will be done under the supervision of christian and myself uh, in terms of, to, in turn, it's not going to be outsourced to a consultant who's just going to go out and run and do the work. We are going to work uh, intimately on making sure that these are supervised tasks that, li that, that live up to the objectives that you as a commission uh, hold important and that uh, we owe to the community. And it will be task order based, so you're not just handing money over to, over to, P over to outside consultants and they're running with it. Okay, this is task order based under the leadership of Christian with direct reporting to myself to make sure that it's contributing to the overall mission and priorities that we set uh, uh, as an agency and as a commission. And this is something that uh, Christian and I have talked about and uh, should you approve these contracts, uh, we'll be ensuring that um, the contractors live up to what it is that we both expect. Thank you, Commissioner Maxwell. Yes, could you, um you know, my, my red flags went up when I, I just got to be honest, when I saw AECOM, and it's a huge organization, and, you know, my flags went up. So would you please give me an example of something that you would have them to do, uh, that they would do, and also um, why you feel that this organization, because my first question was, I'd like to see who they hire. I'd like to see their upper echelon. I'd like to see if they look the way we want our organization to look, if I'm hiring them. So could you give me an idea about why you decided that uh, you felt this would be an okay and what an example of what you would like them to do? Absolutely, thank you for the question. ACOM really represents in terms of their capacity to bring in the type of personnel that can help the organization move forward. And so when we're thinking about the things that really matter to the organization and how myself and, and um, General Manager Herrera and the team, what we're really looking for is just, again, making sure that this is not just something that we're doing blindly. And so in terms of that sort of external capacity, bringing in those type of experts, and so what we are looking at right now is monitoring every aspect of our work, mapping within the organization everything that is happening. This is a large organization, and therefore there are mo many moving pieces. And so within this team that is building right now, we need to ensure that we have the necessary capacity to monitor, to evaluate, to track, to analyze, to assess, and to report out. 
if we are taking on that internal capacity ourselves, it definitely is going to exhaust us, especially with all of the elements of the work. We have seven pillars, more than 92 action uh, items within the racial equity action plan. That is a lot for one agency to do bringing in an external group that can really help drive those components, I do believe is going to be an added advantage. In regards to how do they look and are they doing the work that we want them to do, it's a very good question. You know, I myself looked at the leadership of ACOM and transparently we can say they have a lot of work to do themselves. And I also believe that it's because we, we can have those kind of transparent conversations and recognizing, yes, while they do have a lot of work to do themselves, they are also moving the work for many organizations in some ways that can, we can benefit from. We need to be able to take a step back from our lens and saying, what can we benefit from? What can we learn from? How can we uh, develop? How can we grow? And they do bring in that sort of expertise that we believe can contribute and add value to what we're doing in the organization. Uh, give, give me an example of what they would do. Sure. So one thing right now my team and I are planning to, to start off very soon is mapping every activity in the organization. And by mapping every activity, we want to ensure that there is collaboration and there's less isolation around the work of racial equity in the organization. In order to do that, in order to break the silos, we need to understand, we need to communicate, we need to interface with a lot of folks. We don't have the internal capacity to do that ourselves. We definitely need the, the assistance and the expertise. Not only that, their expertise and assistance in evaluating and guiding. And so one of our task orders can be around that work. It's not limited to, but it just gives you an example of the amount of, of work and responsibility that we are aiming to drive. And we do believe that they are in a good position to help us drive that kind of work. I guess like in HR, and like in HR, since right now we're getting ready to hire or consider hiring people. So that would be an example of, of where they could be beneficial HR would be an example, too. They can definitely be um, an assistance there, but as they can be an assistance in many areas. But if you, HR can specific, we, we have a lot of tasks around HR that we can help. And I do believe, again, they're not just for us. Hiring and recruiting is, <laughs> is a big driver of this work. It is the number one focus for this team, right? And so if we're looking at hiring gaps in the county, in the organization, and how long it takes to bring people on, if we are evaluating that, how is that impacting the work that we're tasked to do? Right? How is that impacting operations and the capital planning projects? And so that is something that they can immediately come in and help us analyze and help us assess and help us move forward. Commissioner Stacy. Uh, I, I also have to admit to some surprise um, seeing AECOM in this task, but what I think I've uh, read in the report, both in the background section and what you've just said, Dr. Bijou, is that there is a fair amount of data collection to be done that you, you really want to know what's going on throughout the organization. And then uh, listening to what General Manager Herrera said and what you've um, just said in response to Commissioner Maxwell's questions, it really looks like uh, there's going to be a lot of collaboration and interaction um, with this joint venture and uh, with you and your staff. They can't accomplish any of these things without uh, your intense and comprehensive involvement. And I appreciate that uh, you've both remarked upon that, that the need for information leading to um, a detailed action plan with these very uh, complicated and extensive goals that you wish to accomplish. But I, I appreciate that it will be really important for, 
for you and, and for your uh, staff and probably the whole organization to work very closely with this joint venture. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for the thank you. elaboration. Good afternoon, uh, Dr. Bijou. Welcome aboard. Uh, look forward to um, hearing the progress. And uh, thank you, General Manager, for that explanation. I also had a little bit of apprehension when I first saw the contract. And I just want to kind of underscore and make sure that uh, PUC is driving the bus. You know, uh, it's great to have AECOM and it's great to have the facts, but the decision maker is you and, and the general manager. And um, I, I just want to just really underscore that uh, and make sure that we're not getting a one size fits all. Um, uh, I think you had mentioned, you know, the General Motors version. We want SFPUC version. I mean, we have a, a, a very unique area. I'm proud of our, of our um, uh, enterprise. And I think there's a great uh, opportunity to uh, make some great changes, but make sure that, that um, the decision-making is coming from us and not from a consultant who may be a little disconnected in some areas. So I just wanted to You have that. our shared commitment on that. Thank you. Absolutely, <laughs> no, thank I you. echo that. Christian and I are in lockstep on this. Thank you. Thank Fantastic. You. Commissioner Maxwell, please. Thank you. I just, I want to thank the general manager and I also want to thank uh, Chris for making this huge step this is big, and, and I really want to thank you for, for really understanding how important this is to us. So again, thank you both, and um, you know you're, you're both under the glass, so I, I, I just have all the confidence that, that you really mean this, and it really makes me feel very proud of our organization that we're going this route. Thank you again. Thank you. So um, thank you, everyone, for your comments. A couple of things. Um, so nine and a half millions till 2028, five years, right? right? I uh, do recognize uh, we need help. There's a lot of work to be done. Everything uh, takes time and we don't have all the manpower we need. Um, I um, do appreciate the commitment that you would be managing this task. I actually want to ask for more than that. Um, couple of things, one is, as somebody who just joined the organization, I would love to hear at some point from you, when you look at our racial equity action plan, mm -hmm. are there things that are, needs to be crossed out or things that need to be added? Mm -hmm. There's always good to have fresh set of eyes looking at things that, I mean, obviously a lot of work has gone into it, but you're coming in, mm -hmm. you're hopefully very much connected to what needs to, needs to happen or what's the, uh, most recent ideas that are out there. So some of that might need to be showing up in this, and some of the things that we have in there needs to be tweaked or changed. First action. Second, um, five years from now, I would not want to, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm here, but whoever is there here, I, what I want is we did, gave this money to AECOM or this venture, and we built a team and the tools and everything that we need to run it ourselves. Right. Um, basically, the reality is um, we constantly give out um, you know, contracts to consultants or organizations to do the work for us. And yes, we manage them all, 
but the reality is sometimes we do not have access to intellectual property that they develop or the data that they gather or they want you or the or the capacity that they build right we give them the money they build the capacity then they right. run it that's just the reality of it so i want to make sure as this money is going through you are brand new you're here we want to build this internally Absolutely. i'm tasking you to think about this very strategically and see how you can turn this into something that's institutionalized here rather than us constantly needing others to come in and do it for us. So take it as you know, a blank check to think about, I mean, right. not, not that we are giving you money <laughs> as a blank check, but think about it that way. This, we are giving you a chance and a platform to think about how this thing needs to be institutionalized here. Absolutely. Everything that they build needs to be ours, not theirs. Right. Thank you for that, Commissioner. And I can tell you very early on, two and a half months in, we are already discussing the internal capacity. Right. This work is not sustainable if you don't build the internal capacity. You don't right. have the time to waste to continue to bring external consultants. And so a lot of when we say community building, this is driven by the internal community that impacts the external community. So we already right. started that work. And in regards to the former comment you made, the Racial Equity Action Plan is a very comprehensive document. There is a lot of components in there. Part of what myself and the team have done over the course of two and a half months is we've already streamlined from seven to four, right? We had mm -hmm. to become a bit more focused. Sure. And so those 92 action items, there are some things that are not actionable at the moment. And so we had to have those difficult conversations around what is priority because everything cannot be a priority. And so we took a look at that as a team and we started to concentrate and prioritize where the work is going to move forward, where we need to slow down in order to speed up. But those are conversations that are already happening and already building the internal capacity to drive this work. And also I, I do believe with my background as a sort of epidemiologist and scientist and, and policymaker, we, we can drive a lot of this work internally. So to general manager's point is that we are the drivers of this. So everything that we build is ours because that is going to be what takes us into the future. And so I do not want to put us in a position where we don't retain the rights to anything that we build. This, this is for us. This has to be built by us with assistance and guidance from external consultants, not driving this work. So thank you. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think, again, like I, I want you to think about, I always think about these numbers as if I was going to hire an army of people who could work on this with that much money, how many people could have I hired, right? So make sure you get value out of it. I mean, obviously there's a overhead on top of everything, but think about it this way. What is the mindset you need to have as you're thinking about annual cost of working with others? We probably need to work with others regardless as time goes on, but again, make sure it's built internally and institutionalized. And I really appreciated your comment about like going from seven to four. And one thing I would say is um, I, I think all these documents and plans, I see them as living documents. They're not, they're, you know, when you sort of think about them, oh, I put a strategic plan together and I'm gonna go spend the next 10 years implementing it. By the time you're done, everything has changed, right? So the idea is how can you constantly revisit uh, rebuild, uh, redirect all these things. So um, just uh, I'm glad everybody is on board with this, but just, you know, and uh, we are excited to see what you will come up with. But um, I also want to give you all this 
sort of thoughts, since I think it's important at, as an organization for all of us to think about this a little bit more strategically. Thank you. Thank you. If there are no more comments, can we have a public comment on this? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number six, press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Do you have any members of the public present to provide comment on this item? See none, do we have any callers in the queue with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there is one caller that wishes to be recognized. Thank you. Caller, I've unmuted your line. You have two minutes. My name is Gwen jackson Fagan, and I'd like to comment on item six. And the, what I'd like to comment on is that um, where is the organization located? Um, and also, who's the seven pillows? And is anyone, the residents of Baby Hunters Point, involved? I think this is repeating itself. Okay. Thank you, caller, for your time. Madam Secretary, there are no other callers that wish to be recognized. Thank you. Public comment on item number six is closed. So I think the comment, I, I'll repeat it, but I think because I think it's valuable and important to know. I think they were asking about the plan, the racial equity plan, and where it is and where people can find it. I think at some point it would be good to have that information. I'm, I'm sure it's accessible on our website, right? We can make that accessible. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, next item, please. Next item is item number seven. Public hearing to consider impossible action to adopt amendments to the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission's Social Impact Partnership Program oh. Rules and Regulations. Madam Secretary. Oh, wait. I don't think you took a vote. Oh, oh my God, so we did not vote. I am that so is sorry. true. Thank you, Commissioner <laughs> Stacy, being the good lawyer she is. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I, I move to award the contract. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Second. Excellent. Um, and uh, can we have the vote, please? On approval. You might want to wait for your first vote. <laughs> <laughs> On item number six, President Ajami. Aye. Vice President Maxwell. Aye. Commissioner Rivera. Aye. Commissioner Stacy. Aye. You have four ayes. Item passes. Congratulations. We look forward to see what comes out of this. Okay. okay. Now number. Now item. the next. Now item, item number seven. <laughs> Public hearing to consider impossible action to adopt amendments to the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission's Social Impact Partnership Program Rules and Regulations at Rule 1.0 and Rule 4.5. Good afternoon, Commissioners. My name is Valerie Tulier-Lewa, and I'm the manager for the Social Impact Partnership Program. The San Francisco Public Utilities Commission authorized the Social Impact Partnership Program on October 24th, 2022, Resolution number 22-0183. On April 11th, 2023, this commission adopted rules and regulations for the Social Impact Partnership Program. Resolution number 230075, which became effective April 22nd, 2023. Recently, the Controller's Office and City's, City Attorney's Office 
issued a citywide suspension order prohibiting several entities from applying to and receiving future city contracts. On the same day, the mayor directed departments to cancel those contracts. The proposed amendments to the rules and regulations comply with the mayor's directive and were drafted in partnership with the city attorney. Under the rule one amendment, an entity that is subject to an order of debarment or suspension would be ineligible to be a beneficiary. And the beneficiary must be an entity independent of the contractor. Then rule 4.5 says that the contractor must confirm that each beneficiary meets this criteria. So this agenda item, which we seek your approval of, is just technical amendments to be compliant with the citywide directive. Thank you for your time and consideration. Thank you so much. Uh, colleagues, any comments? Can we have public comment on this item? Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number seven, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Do you have any members of the public present to provide comment on this item? Yes. So good afternoon, commissioners. Vince Courtney with the Northern California Laborers. Um, just wanted to make sure that we came here and talked a little, little bit about the program areas in the document. Great document. Uh, it's been a long time coming. You know, in 2015, we were hearing from contractors, you know, the goalposts were moving. It wasn't really clear. We started to, to really bird dog this particular program because we are engaged in workforce development. Um, and we're met with resistance. And so you guys have managed through your new leadership, all of you new, except for you, Donna, all of you new to really get a document that actually has the kind of transparency that we've been talking about for a long, long time. And all the other stuff's gonna run its course, but in, while it's running its course, we wanna make sure that you're aware of the fact that we're prepared to engage the workforce piece, the pre-apprenticeship, the apprenticeship to launch the 9916 classification to, and to actually begin working again with this agency. The way that we've worked with the Public Works and Recreation Parks Department, so whether it's Masood or Valerie or whoever it is, we're just offering ourselves to kind of meet those needs and those objectives. But congratulations, it's been a long time coming. We consider it to be a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have any callers in the queue with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are no callers that wish to be recognized. Thank you. Public comment on item seven has closed. Thank you. Can I have a motion? If there are no more comments, can I have a motion and a second to approve this item? So um, moved. Second. Excellent. Can I have, uh, uh, can we have a roll call? On item number seven, President Jami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have four ayes. Thank you, item passes. Um, can we have the next item, please? Next item is item number eight, hearing to adopt revised San Francisco Public Utilities Commission rules of order to incorporate changes to rule 16, order of business. Um, colleagues, this is um, the item that be requested to move the public comment to the front of the schedule as uh, or front of the agenda, as uh, you know. So if there are any comments or questions, um, happy to hear them. Otherwise, we can go to public comment. 
Hearing none, can we have public comment, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number eight, press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Are there any members of the public present to provide comment on this item? Seeing none, Ms. do we have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are two callers that wish to be recognized. Caller, I would mute your line. You have two minutes. Oh, hi, uh, this is Dave Warner. I uh, just would say hooray and thank you so much. Uh, Peter Dreckmeyer, uh, we worked out a system where he was going to tell me when you got to public comment, and it is just so much nicer doing this. So just want to say thank you so much. Uh, that's it. Thank you, caller. Caller, I unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Hello again, Peter Dreckmeyer, Policy Director at Tuolumne River Trust. I want to thank President Ajami for bringing this issue forward, and I hope the rest of you will support it. Um, it, in my opinion, moving general public comment to the end of the meeting was a way to punish the public, and I do not think that was the intention of the commission, nor do I think the idea came from the commission. But this did result from the seventh and final workshop um, Two years of workshops culminated last August with a workshop on the design drought. We presented our case. We cited from the long-term vulnerability assessment. We felt staff did not have an adequate response to justify the design drought, and the commission just moved on. So we spent two years trying to get the facts out there so a decision could be made, and it wasn't made, and a lot of people from the public started calling in for several months. There was a, a lot of public comment, and it seemed very apparent that the move was to, uh, well, to that kind of uh, public participation. So thank you very much for addressing this, and I hope you will vote for the motion. Thank you, caller. Madam Secretary, there are no callers that wish to be recognized. Thank you. Public comment on item 8 is closed. Thank you. Just want to clarify, this was uh, meant for efficiency and uh, was never meant to uh, quiet down the public, so it was not at all our intention. So, um, But I appreciate everybody's comments. We are always here and happy to hear everybody's comments uh, and perspective. Um, this is definitely an open door. Um, we'd like to see people in person if they'd like to join us. Um, but otherwise, um, we wanted to try something, and you know, now we decided maybe going back to the old model works better. So with that, um, I uh, would like to see if I can have a motion and second on this item um, to pass it. Move to approve item eight. Second. Thank you. Can we have a roll call, please? President Jami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy. Aye. No, four eyes. Thank you. Uh, from next meeting, we'll have the public comments in the, on the front of the agenda. Thank you. Can we have the next item, please? Item nine, communications. Um, colleagues, uh, this is a, a information-only item. If there are no comments, we can move on. Thank you. Um, can we have uh, next item, please? Item 11 is items initiated by commissioners. Colleagues, any uh, items that you would like to initiate? 
Hearing none, can we have the next item, please? Item 12 is public comment on matters to be addressed during closed session. Um, um, yes, go ahead, please. Yes, yes, please. Um, um, item number 14, conference with legal counsel reg regarding existing litigation. Madison Collane versus City and County of San Francisco proposed settlement of existing litigation concerning a motor vehicle accident with the City and County of San Francisco to pay Madison Collane $40,000 in exchange for a full and final rele release subject to final approval by the Board of Supervisors. Item 15, conference with legal counsel regarding anticipated litigation, Sentinel Insurance Company Limited versus City and County of San Francisco proposed settlement of unlitigated claim for damage to property resulting from a high-pressure fire suppression water service main fail with the City and County of San Francisco to pay 99 Sentinel Insurance Company Limited $100,000 in exchange for a full and final release subject to final approval by the Board of Supervisors. Item 16, Public Employee Performance Evaluation, Dennis J. Herrera, General Manager. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on closed session items 14 through 16, press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Are there any members of the public present to provide comment on items 14 through 16? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, before we take public comment on that item, mm -hmm. I think we missed something else. We missed general public comment. You oh, ruled on the yes, order. Yes, we did. You ru ruled on the order. The, the new rules, but you didn't have general public comment. So I leave it to you to decide whether you want to call the item after this or how do you want to do it? Um, Madam why President? don't we um, do the public comment on this item, okay. and then we do general public comment, and then we do the motion on the closed session. And I this is an example of staff apologize. not trying to stifle public comment, you see. <laughs> I, I, I do apologize. That was, Let it go. Let it go. That was Just my. want to make that clear. That was that was my error. I, am, I apologize. So, taking item number twelve. We're all human. Twelve out of order. Do we have any public comment on closed session? Mr. Do we have any callers with their hands raised? Ms. Moderator. Madam Secretary, there are no callers that wish mm. to be recognized. Mm. Thank you. Um, okay. Madam Secretary, could we please have general public comment? Item, item 10. Back. Okay, we are now on item 10, SFGTV, thank you. And again, my apologies. Item number 10, general public comment. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on matters that are within the commission's jurisdiction but are not on today's agenda, press star three to raise your hand to speak. Speakers will hear a chime when there are 30 seconds remaining to speak and another chime when the two minutes have expired. Do we have any members of the public present to provide general public comment? Seeing none, do we have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are three callers that wish to be recognized. Caller, I've muted your mind. You have two minutes. Oh, hi, I'm Dave Warner. Uh, thank you for your service and thank you to General Manager Herrera. Um, I'd like to highlight a letter you received from me this morning, but likely haven't had it yet had a chance to review. It notes what happened to San Diego's water rates when they overinvested in alternative water supplies. After making the investment, they saw demand go down by 40%, which combined caused rates to increase from $600 per acre foot to almost $2,200 per acre foot. We had a very similar experience with our WISIP investment, except that our WISIP investment was necessary to maintain existing supplies. 
However, our demand dropped 27 percent after making the investment decision, and we've also seen our rates increase from about $600 per acre foot to over $2,200 per acre foot. The trouble is, now we're contemplating investment in alternative water supplies, perhaps 81 MGD or more. But it's not clear that demand won't continue to decline, which combined would cause another exceptional jump in rates. We already have the highest water rates of any major agency in California. The LTVA took a look at the rates and, invest and the investment issue, and in one place mentioned water rates could go as high as $35 per CCF, which translates to $15,000 per acre foot. I don't understand how they reached such a high number, but I also don't think it's hard to see our water rates doubling again if we overinvest in alternative water supplies. Please keep the San Diego situation in mind with the fact that it would be hard on everyone if we saw another doubling or more of our water rates. Not to be a broken record, but it's foolishness not to do a risk analysis on various design draw scenarios, particularly when a modest adjustment to the current scenario would substantially reduce our need for alternative water supplies. The LTVA and other analyses have at least hinted that there may be a good opportunity here. Doing such an analysis would be orders of magnitude cheaper than the equivalent investment in alternative water supplies. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Caller, I have unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Thank you, Peter Dreckmark, Tuolumne River Trust. I wanted to comment on slide nine from the water conditions update. I don't expect you to have it in front of you, but you might just make a note to take a look at slide nine. This is water available to the city. And what you see is the red line at the bottom. It's the cutoff in water rights between the irrigation districts and the SFPUC, which is 2,400 cubic feet per second of runoff belongs to the irrigation districts for, the, for most of the year. But then there's what staff calls the top hat which is two months between mid-April and mid-June, where that cutoff goes to 4,000. And this last year, you know, a three-week shift with that blue line moving to the left wouldn't have had any impact because there was so much water, it was always above 4,000. Um, but when we had the workshop on the LTVA, the vulnerability assessment, um, we asked staff about how would earlier runoff, as projected, impact the water available to the city and they said, well, it wouldn't really. And what we, we looked at it further, and in wet years, the SFPUC loses water to the irrigation district. In dry years, the SFPUC picks up water. And in wet years, it doesn't matter whose water is filling over the dam. Dry years is what really matters. And we calculated that if the design drought were to occur with three-week earlier runoff, the SFPUC would pick up more than a year's worth of water. Uh, that's something to consider when you're talking about the alternative water supply investment. And we presented our information to staff. They ignored it. We asked the commission to ask this question. You know, are our figures correct? We never got a commissioner to even ask that. We've tried to be helpful. We saw early on that the LTVA was not going to help you make decisions. So we recommended three questions, one on the design drought and on the return period, one on earlier runoff, and one on actually using real demand. And Thank you, caller. Your time has expired. Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Item 10, general public comment is closed. Thank you. So we are back on item number 12. Um, 
closed session. So colleagues, um, can I have a motion on whether to assert attorney-client privilege regarding the closed session matters that are agendized um, here? A move to assert attorney-client privilege. Second. Thank you. Can we have a roll call, please? President Najami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have four ayes. Thank you. Okay, please stand by. We'll be going into closed session. SFGov TV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. We're back. Um, the commission is recommending that the Board of Supervisors approve the settlements referenced in the agenda, items um, 14 and 15. And also the commission has selected Commissioner Maxwell as the commission's representative uh, labor negotiator who will um, engage with uh, General Manager Herrera um, in this conversations. Um, colleagues, uh, can I have a motion um, not to disclose the discussions during the closed session? Move not to disclose. Second. Right. Can we have a roll call, please? President Jami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have four ayes. Thank you. And with that, I think that was our last item. Yes. We adjourn. Thank you.